Hello, everyone, and welcome to Icons, Harlem Renaissance in Motion, a classical theater of Harlem production in collaboration with the Venus Radio Theater. My name is Ty Jones, the producing artistic director of the Classical Theater of Harlem, and I am delighted to be presenting this wonderful and important monologue series. CTH commissioned playwrights to create original monologues based on figures from El Barrio, also known as Spanish Harlem. The neighborhood spans from East 96th Street to East 125th Street from Fifth Avenue to the East River and has a rich and vibrant history. We are excited to share these icons as reimagined by our illustrious roster of writers. The audio play you're about to hear is written by Kristen Eve Cato and will be performed by Annie Hank. It is entitled, For the Salud of Our Seniors. On a bright day, we find Petra Allende in the office of an elected official in Washington, D.C. For meeting with me today, Congressman. As you know, I am Petra Allende, a longtime resident of the district you represent in East Harlem. Actually, I'm pretty positive that you know me well. This isn't our first interaction. I do hope you realize that I had to come all the way to DC because it's impossible reaching you at your district office. I guess you like it here better? The hill is a lot cleaner than City Hall, I suppose. In a letter, you refer to me as the mayor of El Barrio. I found that very interesting. My community calls me La Alcaldesa del Barrio, to be exact. And although you find it amusing, I take my legacy seriously. I've been fighting for the people of East Harlem since the 1960s, okay? In fact, I take my legacy so seriously that I wake up every morning at 7 a.m. to continue my mission, to defend the interests of 20,000 senior citizens who reside in El Barrio. I also fight for the youth and for the adults who are struggling every day to keep food on their tables while living in poor conditions that the city of New York has yet to fix. I should have you know that I arrived in this country in 1949 after I faced much hardship in Puerto Rico. And coming here, I found nothing but more hardship, poverty, discrimination, racism. I came here with the promise of a job that was already filled by the time I got here. What would you do if you moved to a foreign land alone with no job? I didn't speak a word of English. I had my son with me and I had to find my own way. You know that saying Americans love him? Something like, ah, pulled yourself up by your bootstraps? Well, I did. It was extremely hard. But I pulled up my bra straps and I found a job making dresses at a garment factory. And then I became a clerk at a printing shop, Barco Press, for 16 years. I learned a lot there. I did a lot of reading, a lot of thinking, a lot of research. And... 
I applied all that learning to the next phase of my life when I began my activism. And do you know what my first fight was for? It was in 1964. Uh Uh-huh, the voting laws. Yeah, I fought to abolish those required literacy tests people had to take to vote. And in the meantime, organized English classes for those who needed to prepare for it. It's amazing the lengths the government will take to suppress voting. But what's even more amazing is witnessing the strength of my people despite all the obstacles that continue to come our way. Look, everything I have accomplished has been achieved with an eighth grade level of education, determination, and love for my people. So you see, Congressman, I earned that nickname. Anyhow, I digress. I came here to lobby against these inhumane budget cuts on Medicaid and Medicare. Does President Reagan like sugarcane? He must know how to use a machete very well, because the way he slashed healthcare expenditures is beyond comprehension. I'm sure you are very aware that the budget for the Department of Health and Human Services was cut by 25%, eliminating several public health programs during a profound recession. That's outrageous, don't you think? I must ask you a personal question, Congressman. Is your mother still alive in good health? <laughs> Such a proud nod. That's good. May God continue blessing her with good health. She qualifies for Medicare, I'm sure, as do most senior citizens. Could you imagine if your mother needed medical attention but couldn't afford the high copay she must now pay up front before her Medicare insurance kicks in? Could you imagine her going into debt every time she has to see a doctor? What if her ailments got worse and she needed an extended stay at the hospital? How would you feel about her now having to pay 25% of that deductible on top of her other costs, like her medication, which is projected to rise as well? Now, I know this may be hard for you to relate to, Congressman, because you are obviously well off and could afford to help your mother if she needed it. Or perhaps your mother is wealthy and these issues are of no concern to her. But this is sadly not the case for every senior citizen in America. Most of our senior citizens are living modestly, cashing in pension checks, surviving off their 401ks, or depending on SSI. So how is this even acceptable? And as you consider, the level of how acceptable this is, allow me to throw you another hypothetical situation. You have a daughter, yes? She's over 22 years old, correct? Uh Uh-huh, that's what I thought. As you must know, she no longer qualifies to be listed under your health insurance policy. That's interesting, huh? That after a person turns the young age of 22, they are left to fend for themselves when it comes to healthcare. What if she didn't have you as a financial crutch? Envision your daughter living paycheck to paycheck, 
going to school, and trying to build a career in a dwindling economy. Let's say she's living right above the poverty line. That's still not that much, correct? Considering her demographics, she should qualify for Medicaid, right? Absolutely. <laughs> But not with these new laws. And even if she made it within the Medicaid income bracket, now there's a chance she still won't qualify because she'd have to be deemed medically needy. That's kind of absurd, isn't it? Now, what if she was pregnant, though? Would that qualify as medically needy? Not really. So unless she has extra money put aside for healthcare costs, she may not receive the prenatal care she needs. Especially since federal funding for maternal and child health has been reduced by 18%, right? Doesn't this seem like a bad deal to you, Congressman? And if you still think this is acceptable, try explaining that to the women who are delivering more and more stillborn babies. Try explaining that to the children suffering from preventable diseases. These issues may not affect you personally, Congressman, but they affect me. They affect my people, and I am sick and tired of seeing my people suffer because of the lack of empathy our government has for the poor, the poor that you perpetually keep poor. So, this folder contains petitions filed by the Manhattan Political Caucus, the Hispanic Senior Action Council, the Institute for the Puerto Rican Hispanic Elderly, the East Harlem Community Development Plan, and the El Barrio Low and Moderate Income Rehabilitation Fund. These are all organizations that I have had the pleasure of working with and which I sit on the board for. You'll also find petitions included from other local organizations that I am affiliated with as well. I trust that you will review this material carefully, with generosity and in good faith. And I trust that you will make the right decision to propose fair options as the state revisits its health care stipulations. My apologies, but I must cut this conversation short today. I have another meeting with the senator, but you'll be seeing me again, Congressman. I'll be following up very soon. And if you happen to get reelected, keep an eye out for the advisory committee of the City of Department of Aging. We'll be back in a few years, lobbying for the Senior Citizens Act. I could depend on your vote to get it passed, yes? Oh, well. well that's if you're still in office, of course. After all, your reelection depends on our vote. You asked me once, what do I do in my spare time? I guess you think I don't have a life other than to incessantly phone and write to your office. Well, like you, I've dedicated my life to public service. What makes us different is that my life is dedicated to the well-being of my people, particularly those who are vulnerable, like the elderly. It's shameful how this government treats our elders as if they were second-class citizens. Our elders are an important part of our communities. Our cultural history and memory rely on the wisdom that they get to pass down. These are the people who raised us and who continue to raise the youth of today. Do you know how many grandmothers are raising their grandchildren? The numbers keep growing and we should keep them healthy as they raise the next generation of America. 
We should be grateful to our elders and honor their lives, not neglect them and allow them to suffer beyond the guaranteed suffering already promised by old age. So, you know what I do in my spare time? I volunteer at the East Harlem Interagency and at the Gaylord Senior Center. I also play bingo three times a week in the basement of my local church. And I'm damn good at bingo. Palante, Congressman. Thank you so much for lending us your time and attention for the series Icons. El Barrio Lives. CTH wishes you all a very good evening. We would like to thank Sean Renee Graham, Literary Director of Programs, and Betty Shamia, CTH's Mellon Playwright-in-Residence, for organizing this production. This is a classical Theater of Harlem production recorded in collaboration with the Venus Radio Theater. These dramatic plays are adapted, produced, and edited for audio theater by Eric Emma with sound design and mixing by Andy Stein. <laughs>